my husband had made me the primary disciplinary in the home, uh, which is a bad, bad idea. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just, it just felt like I was banging my head against the wall all the time. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 238 of the Nacho Kids Academy. Let's start out by dropping some bombs. Go ahead, David. What, me? I figured you'd want to do it. No, you go ahead. So let's make the huge announcement. So we've decided that we're going to offer a lifetime membership to the Academy. What? I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Because through our experience, not only have we had to use the Nacho Method continuously and still do 14 years later, we've also seen people rejoin the Academy when they hit different phases of their blend. So rather than people leaving and having to rejoin or needing a refresher, we are going to provide a lifetime membership to the Nacho Kids Academy. But tell them the catch, David. So there's a catch. The catch is it is for a very limited time. And it is a very limited number because we are not going to do this where it's open all the time. Uh, It's one of those things where Lori and I talked about, you know, what can we do to do a Black Friday deal and all this kind of stuff? And I said, you know what? Why don't we do something where they can have lifetime access? But we wanted to kind of get past the noise of Black Friday. And, And this is, this is a lifetime investment, not just, in your blended family, but even yourself. Now, there are so many people that are in the academy that are like, man, I'm a, I'm just a better person because of the things I learn and how I can deal with things, not just in my blended family, but just life in general. So all that said, the limited time frame is, Lori? December the 25th to December 31st. So starting Christmas Day and ending Christmas Eve. All right. And we are only allowing the first five people that sign up to get a lifetime membership. After that, it shuts down. Will anybody else do it? Yep. Five. F-I-V-E. Yep. So here's the here's the thing. Um, so the lifetime membership, you would think it would be 10 grand? No. Think it'd be nine grand. No. You think it might be five grand? No. What's it going to be, Lori? It is going to be the cost of three years. So $1,470 is all it is. And to make it even better for you, we are splitting that into three equal monthly payments. So you don't even have to pay all that at one time. Yep. Just so you understand, (laughs) it's $490 day one. $409 day 30, $409 day 60. And you're done. For the rest of your ever loving life, you have the Nacho Kids Academy. That's right. All right. 
Dude, sign me up. <laughs> okay, David. <laughs> Give me your credit card number. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, uh, it's only going to be open to five people, and that's it. Once it's gone, it's gone. That's it. And then we'll we'll reevaluate if we'll ever do it again. <laughs> yes. So, starting at 12.01 a.m., Christmas Day, December the 25th, and ending at 11.59, New Year's Eve, December 31st. Eastern Standard Time. Is it Eastern Standard if it's Daylight Savings Time? That's why I never say uh, Eastern Standard. I always say Eastern Time Zone. Uh, it's it's whatever the New York Time Zone is, folks. <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to miss it, then you just get in early. You don't have to worry about it. Okay. It's the East Coast of the United States time zone. Yes. <laughs> the same as New York City. If there's any questions whatsoever, email contact us at nachokids.com and we will help you out in understanding this because honestly, I don't think it's going to last even the first day. Uh, because like I said, we're only opening up to five folks and I think it'll be going quick. Okay. And just to remind you of what is currently in the academy. There are over 20 video courses. There are three different challenges. One is the Nacho Kids Boot Camp. One is the Change Your, Change Your Stinking Thinking Challenge. And one is the Self-Love Challenge. And there are two Q&A coaching calls per month. There is an anonymous community. And I'm forgetting something, but there's a lot there. Yep. And we've got probably just as much lined up for 2024. Am I forgetting something? Uh, I think so, but... Oh, the private journal feature. Yep, that too. Yes, I knew there was something. Yeah, well, also, all the Q- well, most of the Q&A coaching calls are recorded, so you can listen to those as well. Yes, but we did um, kind of halt posting those recordings last year just because of some sensitivity to the content. Yep. So. So there you go. Yep, over 100 hours of previous Q&A calls. Yep, and we got a ton of courses lined up. Good grief. Yep. And then we're going to get started in the new year. And we are adding an expectations challenge next year. (laughs) Woo-hoo! Yep. And I need it myself. So we're going to be adding a challenge, at least one challenge. And gosh, I don't know, uh, at least another dozen. dozen. Yeah, dozen courses we've got lined up. So, God, man, we're going to be cranking it out yep. in 24. <laughs> that's right. All right. Good deal. Let's roll on. What else you got? Well, I think that's enough for now, David. So let's just get to talking about our guest. That's what I meant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> our guest today is Stepmom T. She has been blending for 14 years. She has no bio kids. The hardest part of blending for her is realizing she will never be mom, even though mom is not in the picture. Mm-hmm. So the mom of these children are not in their life. At least not physically. That's right. Something unique about their blend, they had the kids full-time with no visitation. Hmm. She is also a stepkid herself. And her and her husband actually separated for a while because one of her stepkids Claimed abuse by her. That's always hard. All right, well, let's get to listening. 
today we have Anonymous Stepmom T. Hey T, how are you? Hi, I'm good. So tell us a little bit about your blend. Well, uh, I have three stepkids. They are all adults now and out of the house. I am childless. So no bio kids, no ours kids. And this is my first and only marriage. Okay. So I married a man with three kids. <laughs> when you got married, obviously you knew he had three kids. Yes. Was there any hesitation getting involved with somebody that had kids since yes. you didn't? Yes. <laughs> but my hesitation was for not real reasons. Like they, they were reasons for me. Mm-hmm. But once I got into the blend, I found out that what my concerns were, were not what really I should have been concerned about. I was concerned about things that ultimately didn't matter and ignored the stuff that actually were going to be a problem. Ah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, were, uh, blah, blah. Are, you <laughs> are you child-free by choice? You know, that's a hard question to answer. I guess mostly by choice. Took me a while to find the right man. And when I did, he had three kids. And I told him in the beginning of the relationship that I needed him to be open to the possibility that I would want to have a child. Mm-hmm. And he said he was. But life just was so hard. Having three kids full time mm-hmm. that weren't mine. A demanding job. Both of us had demanding jobs, no family around. So it was difficult for me imag- to imagine having a baby mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of all that. I was already stressed out to the max. And I don't know that it would have been intelligent for me to add the stress of a baby. Yeah. That actually probably would have pushed me completely over the edge. So ultimately, we decided. Not to, but it wasn't because I never wanted one. It just didn't make sense. Right. To have one. You know, from being in step family Facebook groups that adding an hour's child can go either way. It can be yes. a good thing or it can be a horrible thing. Yes, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I'm glad that I didn't have another child. I think, um, I don't think Jackson would have taken well to yeah. me having another kid. Yeah. I have no idea how my stepkids would have reacted they have half brother, they have half siblings mm-hmm. and they liked it, but uh, living in it full time would have been hard. And like I said, I don't know that, that I could have handled it. Right. Um, the stress was already so high in our home. Uh, I didn't need that. Yeah. So how old are your stepkids now? Let's put it this way. Young adults. Okay. And so when you got married, they were teenagers. Oh, no. Younger. Yeah. Preschool and elementary school. The youngest was not potty trained yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were young. Yes. And how often did you have them from the very beginning? Full time. (laughs) Pretty, pretty much. Two of them was full time with visitation with the other parent. One of them was the opposite, full time with the other parent. And, uh, Visitation with my husband. Okay. That changed quickly, very quickly. We ended up with all three full-time, no visitation with the bio parent. So all the time. And so did you ever think this is not what I signed up for? No. 
when we got married, I knew that there was potential that that would happen mm-hmm. just based on the circumstances with the other bio parent. And I was excited about it because I don't have my own children. Right. So I was excited about the idea of being able to be a parent and um, not have to travel across the country for visitations. Mm-hmm. So no. And then, and I was always open to the third child coming. Even if I wasn't, I would have never, ever told my husband not to. Right. But I was, I was excited about it. Um, the kids were, we had a great relationship in the beginning. They seemed excited to have me in their lives, including the child that came later. So it, it just, it seemed like it, it made sense. Right. And it felt right. So things were good in the beginning. Yes. What happened? Or what do you think happened? Mm. Well, they turned into teenagers. (laughs) Teenagers, (laughs) yeah. Teenagers is when everything blew up in a very dramatic way. Mm -hmm. But I think me trying to be a parent, thinking that that was normal, expected, Mm -hmm. supposed to be. My husband felt the same way. And then me getting frustrated that it didn't work right. It didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And nobody was happy. So yeah. it, it it went downhill pretty quickly to where things were pretty tense in the house a great deal of the time. But then things got really bad with teenagers. And that's so disheartening, isn't it? Yes. Because you take it personally. I absolutely took it personally. Well, the stepkids made sure that I knew it was personal. <laughs> um, they wanted me to think that it was personal. So, right. and I, I believed them uh, like an uneducated person, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe a naive person believing that what kids were going to say was true. Right. And so when they said those things, my husband and I believed them. Yeah. Which was not, not a good thing. Yeah. You didn't know any other way to feel. No, no, I didn't. And I am a stepchild myself and I never did those kind of things to my step parent. Would never have, would never have done that to my parent. Right. What's some of the things they did? In the beginning, it was just subtle things. Like they just wouldn't, I guess, comply is a good word. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't do the things that I asked them to do, wanted them to do. My husband had made me the primary disciplinary in the home, uh, which is a bad, bad idea. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just, it just felt like I was banging my head against the wall all the time. Like, Every little thing they wanted to fight me on. And I was like, this does not feel okay. Why why is this? Why is there so much fight here? Just constant. But eventually, one stepchild started some help self-harm behavior. And pretty quickly became very belligerent to everybody in the household. But to me specifically... And actually told me that I was the reason for that behavior to my face. Oh, no. 
Yes. And told me that all three of the children were afraid of me. And I believed them, sort of. Wow. Like I knew that I had done nothing wrong, but I knew that I had to listen or I felt like I had to listen to a child telling me that there's something wrong and that I'm the problem. Right. I felt like I had to honor those feelings from that child, Mm -hmm. even though they were distorted feelings. I felt like that I had to listen, that we, my husband and I, had to listen to what this child was saying. Right. Even though we knew that that nothing was was wrong. Um, this, this child actually accused me of abuse um, later. And we knew that that was not the case. But we knew that the child seemed to believe that was the case. And so to force a relationship with somebody who's convinced that you've done something wrong doesn't work out very well. And I knew that from the beginning. Right. So I was like, okay, we've got to, we've got to change something here. What do you think caused them to have these memories, we'll say, that were untrue? Perspective. Mm -hmm. One, their perspective of what was happening. Two, past trauma. Unresolved issues with past trauma. Okay. Um, I think that's where the self-harming behavior came from. Mm-hmm. And us not knowing that these children should have been in therapy from the very beginning. <laughs> I'm pretty adamant in my mind that children from broken homes really, really, really do need to be in therapy from the beginning. That's something that we should have done. We didn't. Bad idea <laughs> to not do that. Well, because everything seemed fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know any better. And then I have a theory that in in the current climate, especially with teenagers, something seems to be happening. And you know this maybe personally. Something seems to be happening in the world of my parents can't tell me what to do. I want to be able to run my own life, which is nothing new. But I think they're starting to pull out words Mm -hmm. that are meaningful and scary and inflammatory on purpose, if that makes sense. Yes. I don't know if this is in school or on social media or how this is happening, but it seems very obvious to me in the Facebook group. And this is actually one of the reasons the Facebook group helped me so much is because I started seeing the similar stories over and over with the same words. Mm -hmm. The kids were using the same words as my stepchildren and the same words as the next story and the next story and the next story. Mm -hmm. And so there's a commonality running through all of these situations. and so. I don't know yeah, that's, that's too, if they're being coached or I don't know. Yeah, it's too coincidental when the same exact words are being used. Yeah, like very soon after this, everything blew up, I was reading in the Facebook page and I read a a post and I was like, oh my gosh, that's us. Mm-hmm. It's the same words. It's exactly the same. How is that possible? 
So I don't, I don't know where the, the teenagers are getting this education about how to trigger people, get people to notice you. I don't know, but something's happening. You know, of course we see it in step parents, but it seems like it's not just aimed at step parents. Mm-hmm. It's more often aimed at step parents, but it seems like it's aimed at bio parents as well at times. Right. And I don't know where that's coming from because there's no way all 20, what, 28,000 of us in the Facebook page yeah. are abusive to their children. Right. So what's different? I don't know. Yeah. It's something definitely to think about. Yeah. I've been wrestling with that for a while because where did the words that came out of that stepkid's mouth come from? Yeah. If it wasn't true, which it wasn't. Right. But the child's feelings were valid. I mean, we we definitely had to stand up and listen. I mean, if you're going to tell me you're scared of me, which I now believe was not true, but Mm -hmm. if you tell me you're scared of me, I need to listen to that. Right. That's not okay. Right. And that's where we went from, from that moment in a very maybe overreactive way. Um, Maybe we took it a little bit too seriously. I don't know, but we felt like we were doing the right thing at the time. Yeah. Which included uh, me moving out of the house. We separated for a while because I wanted the, myself and my husband wanted the kids to feel safe. Right. Um, And if they didn't feel safe with me, then I needed to remove myself. That's what we thought. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And how long were y'all separated? Eight months. That's a long time. Yeah. It felt like an eternity. It was um, one of the worst experiences I've ever been through. But you continued your relationship as much as you could during that time? Not in the beginning. We were pretty sure that we were going to get divorced. Uh, That was the plan. But in our state, you have to be separated for at least a year. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, we have a year to figure this out. Um, Let's just, you know, use that time to figure it out. So in the meantime, I had a lot of free time because <laughs> I was yeah. alone. And I started th- you know, really thinking about what was going on and doing a lot of research into um, child development and teenage behavior. And then that led me into step family research. That's when I found Nacho Kids. I started seeing a therapist initially for marriage therapy, but it ended up becoming my therapist personally. And so through all that, I started putting pieces together pretty quickly that we don't have to get divorced. Mm-hmm. We have some things to fix, but we don't have to end our relationship just over the word of one child who is not completely honest or completely mentally on the right page. <laughs> Right. In fact, my therapist, the first time I met with her, and I don't think she is necessarily experienced in step families any more than the next therapist, Mm -hmm. which is actually why I respect this statement so much. She said to me, the child got what they wanted. Yes, they did. They wanted you gone. Mm -hmm. And you are. Yep. They succeeded. Yes. Yes. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, we're missing something. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I figured out with a, in a matter of weeks that we could probably put this back together. And I was not willing to lose my marriage and the only family I have and my home and, 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 uh, and my church lost mm-hmm. my church through that. I wasn't willing to lose all of that over something that is probably blown out of proportion. Right. Exaggerate, yeah. exaggerated by a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that a lot in the Facebook page. Like, you really want this teenage child to win, to dictate your relationship? Yep. Because they're acting out? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like the right choice. Right. You're going to give up your relationship with your partner right. because of this kid. Right. Now, I get that it can be hard. You get that it can be hard. We fought every step of the way. Yes. To put our marriage back together. Yeah, we did too. And our kids saw that. They saw us fight for our marriage. Yeah, ours too. And I think that's actually a very good thing. Who has said this? Maybe multiple people in the step family arena. But basically is your kids have an example of a failed relationship already. Why don't you give them an example of a successful relationship? Right. And I do believe that the stepkids have seen that. Yes. Yeah, because they need to see healthy relationships. Yeah. And they need to say that relationships are work. Yes. No, we fought every step of the way to get where we are. I know a friend of mine, she died from cancer not long after David and I got married. But prior to that, she had a little girl and she didn't date while she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And so when the little girl turned 18, my friend decided to start dating. That did not go well with the little girl. Really? Yeah, because she had been the focus of her mom's life forever. Wow. And one of the last things that Dottie told me was, don't do like I did. Let Jackson see a healthy relationship. Just when you think that maybe it is smart to not blend while the kids are teenagers, Mm -hmm. then you hear that story. Right. And you think, well, then what's the difference? Yeah. Well, I know David had met with, um, the kids went to a Christian school for a while, and he met with the, I guess he's a preacher too, and he was talking about us, thinking about getting married, and he said, wait till the kids get out of school. And he's the mm-hmm. only person that told David that. And we thought he was crazy, but yeah. now we know why. Yeah. Yep. Because well, it's a struggle. Is there's going to be challenges at any stage. Yes. You just have to decide which ones you're ready for and when you're ready for them. It's like David says, all women are crazy. You just have to figure out what level of crazy you can handle. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. Yes. (laughs) No, don't admit that we crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And it's like I told my son, in relationships, nobody ever has this perfect relationship that they never have arguments. No. It's how you handle those disagreements. Years ago, my ex-boyfriend, his parents got divorced and he was thrown for a loop because he said his ne- his parents never fought. Yes. <laughs> so makes you think, actually, maybe that's not good. Well, I've actually know quite a few people that have said that. 
they didn't understand why their parents got divorced because they never fought. Yeah. Well, my parents got divorced when I was 30. They waited way too long to get divorced. But they fought all the time. It was the best thing they could have done. They should have done it sooner. Well, that's the way I felt when my parents divorced, which is why I was not prepared for the trauma that these three kids went through Mm -hmm. um, with the divorce of their parents is because my parents, I was glad when they got divorced. Yeah, I was too. Their marriage was a disaster. Mm -hmm. Not not that it was easy. It still wasn't easy having your parents split up, but it was what was needed to happen. It was better than what was happening. Right. And, you know, blending with my stepmother was relatively easy compared to what we went through here in this house. So I was not prepared at all for what a blended family would look like, even though I was in one. Right. Because our our situation was so different and I never lived with my step parent. So how old were you when your parents split? 13, I think. Quite a impressionable age. Yes. And I take it you stayed with your mom? Yes. And did she get remarried? No. But your dad did? Yes. Quickly. My dad remarried quickly. Did that bother you? Yes. But I never told him. At least not till I was an adult. Right. Did I have that conversation with him? I didn't ever hold it against him. I was just like, this is not okay, but it is what it is. Right. And this is just what I'm going to have to do and live with. And so I did. Um, I didn't make a big deal about it. I was a very mature child. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided this is just the way it's going to be. And and um, her family accepted me like a family member. Mm-hmm. And so I, be, I, I got more family. That wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing. Right. So eventually it became a, a plus for me that I had, you know, more family. Did your dad have any other kids? Nope. I'm an only child. Okay. Which is another challenge because I didn't really know much about kids. Yeah. When I got into a relationship with kids, I thought my husband, by virtue of the fact that he was a parent, knew a lot more than I did. I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't give us a handbook on this parenting crap. <laughs> no. Um, and so I leaned heavily on his advice and his instincts. And it was actually his idea that I would become a disciplinarian in the home. That was mm-hmm. his choice, not mine. Right. And I thought he was right. Yeah. He thought he was right. Right, because that's what you had been told. Yes. Treat them like your own. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, my, my own step-parent never did that. But I also never lived with them. Right. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. How often did you see your dad? Um, At least once a month. I'd spend a weekend. Okay. Um, Lived in the same town, basically. So, you know, fairly frequently. So was your stepmom just kind of another adult figure in the home? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I know if my dad and mom would have split up earlier... And if I would have had a step-parent, it would have been bad news. <laughs> I would have been that child that everybody's talking about in the Facebook group. 
Yeah, no, I was not that kid. And, uh, you know, I remember even as a teenager hearing people talk about, you know, having issues with their parents divorcing and, you know, how challenging it was and how sad it was. And and even then I was puzzled because my parents divorcing was a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. I was happy <laughs> right? <laughs> because life was so hard with them together. Right. And so I was like, you know, why, why make a big deal of this? Like, yeah, it's, it's sad that their marriage didn't work, but clearly they were not good together. Right. And so I thought that I was the normal child, uh, that my reactions to my parents' divorce was normal. And that it was the odd person who didn't adjust well. Right. And I found out it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Most kids don't adjust well. And I was the exception rather right. than the And you talk about, you said something earlier about that it's important for kids to go to a therapist or a counselor when their parents split up. Yeah. I think that would have been very helpful. Yeah. And people always say kids are resilient. They are to a degree, but we, we dismiss how much this affects them. Yes. And then when they get older, they have that trauma. Yes. And I think life is more complicated than when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. With social media and stuff, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's not, they're not just dealing with their parents' divorce. They're dealing with their parents' divorce and every other stressor that's been added. Mm -hmm. And it's just too much for them. Yeah. And I think we need to realize that a lot of times the things we struggle with, the kids are struggling too. You just don't see it as much. And they have no idea how to verbalize it. Right. And you would... I used to think that at some point a child would be able to verbalize. And I've now decided that most children, even into young adulthood, still cannot verbalize. Yeah, most adults can't. Exactly. Yeah. So you think that at some point they're going to mature and be able to tell you what's going on. And when you ask them a direct question, that they would be able to give you a direct answer. Mm Mm-hmm. That always puzzled me about kids. You know, you'd ask, why did you do so-and-so? I don't know. They don't know. They really do not know. Right. They tell you they don't know because they don't know. (laughs) Not because they don't want to tell you. Right. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Exactly. I think it would be a good idea if family court judges put in the court order that the child needs to go to therapy. That would be amazing. And it's interesting you mentioned family court because I barely had to deal with that at all. So uh, it's interesting when I see in the Facebook page people talking about going to court with their spouse and all this. And I'm like, I was not involved in any of that. Uh, It was mainly because it was before I was around. Right. But still, you didn't have to deal with the high-conflict biomom. No, I had to deal with an absent biomom. <laughs> right. And sometimes that's worse. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's bad either way. It's just different challenges. But the fact that biomom is not in the picture was 
easier for me on the surface. Mm -hmm. There was none of this, you know, visitation and transition days and, you know, none of this. But apparently the internal conflict that children go through when their parent is absent, especially in a abandonment type of situation, it's much harder on the children. Yeah. Because they take it personally. Yeah. And having um, an absent bio mom made it easier for everyone to just assume I was mom. Uh huh. Everybody. And I mean everyone. Mm-hmm. Church, school, in our home. Right. Um, it made sense that I would just be step in and be the mom. Thought that was what I was supposed to do. You know, thought they mm-hmm. needed a mom. Right, because they didn't have one. They needed you. Yeah, but they didn't. Not really. They would have turned out just fine had my husband stayed single. And he might have not have turned out okay, but but it just would have been fine. I know you see this in Facebook groups where someone will say the mom's absent and that they don't really want to have that motherly relationship with the kid, and they get attacked. Yeah. How dare you? This child needs a mom. This child needs someone to help them through life because their mom's absent. They still have a mom. Yeah. Whom they remember. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, you know, thinking that you should step in as a mom is a trap. Yes. It feels like a the right thing to do, but it is a trap mm-hmm. that you don't figure out until you're really trapped and in a really bad situation. And it's almost like everybody wants you to want to be the mother, mm-hmm. but they don't want you to act like the mother. Right. They, they just don't want to hear that you don't want to be the parent. Right. But once they say you want to be the parent, oh, but you can't be. Right. Um, you shouldn't be. I think I think society just does, still doesn't know what to do with step families. I think you're right. I think they have no idea. Because it's not talked about enough. And we've went through exactly. all the years of to treat it like a normal nuclear family. Yes. In most cases, I will say, that's not what the kids want. No. Or what they need. No. They wanted it for about five minutes, the kids Right, right. And say, for instance, David could say, oh, I want you to be the disciplinarian. And he may honestly feel that he believes that. But the first time that I put little Johnny on restriction, it can cause problems. Yeah. In our relationship, it didn't. Like, he really did completely trust my decisions. He knew everything I did. Mm -hmm. I told him. And he agreed with it. Never, ever questioned it until things went crazy. Right. And then he was like, whoa. Yeah, he's thinking something happened that he didn't know about. Exactly. And I told him, I was like, you knew everything. Mm -hmm. But of, of course he was wondering. Right. And here's the thing, too, is so often kids look at any type of discipline as abuse. You took my phone away. You're abusive. Right. And that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at when I'm saying something's happening in society that all of a sudden everything is viewed as 
abuse. Right. Well, now think about this. When I was growing up, I've got a sister that's five years older and one that's five years younger. And we fought like crazy. Now is considered bullying. Right. It wasn't when I was growing up. It was considered normal sibling behavior. Sibling behavior, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's bullying. Right. It completely has a new name and a different connotation to it. You're right. And I also, you know, when I was growing up, if there was a race, the winner got a prize. Not everybody. Right. But now it's we have to coddle everybody into whatever, giving them a prize or acknowledging them so they don't get their feelings hurt. Which is funny because my stepkids were always like, this is stupid. (laughs) Why did I get this trophy? (laughs) When they didn't deserve it. Right. I didn't win anything. This is dumb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think the kids probably think it's stupid. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I I think... Yeah, I think some of the kids do. They're like, why Why even try to win? You get the same prize if you don't win. Yep. But also, and I think this, this cracks me up too, when I was growing up and you went to a birthday party, you didn't get a present. You didn't get a goodie bag. You got a piece so of cake. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> now, you've got to get everybody a present Yeah. or everybody a goodie bag. I'm not much younger than you are, so yes. And I've figured out, like, what's with these birthday parties? They're so expensive. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, you you had a cake. Your friends came over. They bring you gifts. Maybe you'd have an afternoon. You watched a movie. You played a game or whatever. But that's it. Right. And you had it at your house. Mm-hmm. You didn't have, like, party favors and, you know, entertainment. <laughs> I know. It's a completely different world that, than what we grew up in. Yes. And I think that th- that is why, now this is just my opinion, I think that's why we can't find kids to work. You see restaurants closing down because nobody wants to come to work. Yeah. You see the girl at a drive through that is completely rude. Right. But they're not going to get rid of her because they can't find anybody else to work. Yep. And they're allowed to half-butt their jobs. They don't take pride in themselves. Yeah. But I do have to say, and I've mentioned this before, I wonder how much of this could be related to guilty parent syndrome. Yeah, you know, um, I definitely think my husband has guilty parent syndrome. He has it even in a different way now because we feel like we did everything wrong Mm -hmm. in our blended family for a long time. (laughs) A long time. Years and years. And so now he's guilty about that, but he definitely had guilty parent syndrome and it it wasn't, you know, the situation where I only get weekends with my kids. So we're just going to have fun. They were here all the time. Right. And he still felt guilty. Yes. Enforcing anything. Yes. And and I get that. Even though I had Jackson 93% of the time or whatever it was, I wanted, I didn't want to fuss at him before he would go to his dad's. I didn't want to fuss at him when he came back from his dad's. I wanted to buy him extra presents because I knew at his dad's, he probably wouldn't get as much. And if he did, it was just clothes. So I felt like I was always trying to compensate for that. Mm -hmm. And so you've got, think about when we were growing up, how many 
blended families or step families did you know? Not many. Not too many. A few, but not too many. Right. Now, you go in a classroom, you're lucky to find a tenth of those kids that are from a nuclear family. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these kids that the parents don't want to discipline them. The parents don't want to fuss at them. The parents don't want to give them responsibilities. They don't want to give them chores, anything like that. And now we can't find people to work. Yeah. It would be hard for me to prove, but I swear there's a correlation to that. Somebody out there is studying it. They just haven't published it yet. <laughs> I hope so, because I know Claudette Chenevere went to a conference recently, and it was more of a marriage conference, a nuclear family conference. But she started asking questions about, well, have you researched step families? Because mm. we're trying to get all these research people to do the research. Yeah. Because even the data that we do have is probably not accurate, because when you go to the doctor— it doesn't say, are you remarried or in a step family? Right. It just says married, divorced, widowed, or single. Well, and Ron Deal himself says that even some of the data that he's been using for a long time is not accurate. Right. And he's had to change some of what he says and publishes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And we need accurate data. We do. Yeah. But it's just, it amazes me. You see the kids, and you wonder what they could have been if you wouldn't have been afraid to discipline them, or you wouldn't have been afraid to take their phone away. I wonder all the time what my stepkids would have been like had they just had less trauma in their life, what kind of people they would have been. Yeah. I'll never know the answer, of course. I wonder how much that shaped who they are. A great deal. I'm sure of it. It's definitely shaped me. Yeah. The trauma that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, what's your relationship like now with the stepkids? I know that they're no longer in the home. So I'm estranged from the one child in particular. Is that the one that accused you of abusing them? Yes. Okay. I have a pretty good relationship with the other two. It's gotten better as they've aged. It's gotten better because of Nacho. At least Nacho put out the fire. <laughs> right. In the beginning, for sure. It's not an extremely close relationship, but um, the truth of the matter is they don't have an extremely close relationship with their dad or anybody else. Right. Uh, and I don't know if that's still teenager garbage or uh, the way teenagers are so antisocial these days. And these two were for sure. But also I think they have attachment issues. I think all of them have attachment issues mm -hmm. related to being abandoned by their mother. Right. So I, I guess I have as good a relationship with them as we can. Right. As a good of a relationship as they will allow for anybody. And my husband swears that I have a better relationship with the oldest than he does. <laughs> he says, if you um, send this child a message, they're more likely to answer you than they are him. <laughs> I think it's just because now that um, this child is an adult, we have a lot in common, actually. Right. The, our interests are similar. The way we think is similar. We're even the same astrological sign. So we're very similar. So I think we can find a lot to talk about, whereas my husband struggles finding something to talk about with that child. Right. Um, 
So uh, it's it's good. It's well, what good. about the kid that's estranged is or that you're estranged from? Is yeah. are they also estranged from the dad? Somewhat. They have a relationship that's mostly on his part. Mm-hmm. He has uh, determined that he's going to still have a relationship. And, you know, for a while it was like, I'm going to, you know, still pay for this child to have a phone, even though they don't live here, because I want to always be able to get a hold of this child. And that makes sense. Yeah. I want to always to have be able to have some connection to this child. But he is cautious mm-hmm. with that child. Because he knows. Yeah. Yeah. He knows that um, not everything that is said may be true. This child was awful to everybody in the house, not just me. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, trauma on his part from his child acting that way. So it's not an extremely comfortable relationship, but there is one. Good. And that child seems grateful for everything my husband does. Uh, which is interesting because hearing the stepchildren at all ever say thank you was rare. Mm-hmm. So for that child to say thank you on a regular basis for the the dad things that dad does do is nice. Yeah. So there is a relationship there, but it's not like with the other two. Um, that child hasn't lived in the home for four and a half years now. So that changed things, whereas the other kids lived here a lot longer. Right. Do you have a desire to have a relationship with that child? Not right now. And that's fair. That's 100% fair. I would be open to it. Would that child say, take certain steps to take responsibility, apologize, reconcile, deal with the issues? That child pretends the issues don't exist. Uh. Um, and I'm not okay with that. Right. I'm just not a fake person. I'm just not going to hang around you and just pretend that everything's fine. Yeah, me either. It's not necessary for us to hang around each other. If I'm just going to be uncomfortable the whole time, it would be very obvious that I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I also, in, in the very beginning, I was like, you know, why would this child, if they truly believe that I abused them, why would they want to have a relationship with me? Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would be detrimental for someone who thinks abuse happened to continue to have a relationship or pretend like nothing happened. Right. Like you would be the last person I would want to be around or talk to or exactly. Anything. Exactly. So it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to have a relationship with this person unless there's responsibility taken. And by the way, that wasn't true and and all those things. Right. Um, But if if the person truly believes that there's abuse there, there's no reason to have a relationship. There's no reason to continue to traumatize that person by your presence. Right. So that's where I am with that. Yeah. And I get it because I know when something happens with one of the kids and it upsets our significant other, they are, of course, going to be more likely to forgive and move past that than we are because 
we don't have that bind or that bond with them. Yeah. So we're thinking, wait a minute. Do you not remember when little Johnny said that you did this, this, and this? And they're thinking, as the parent, I'm just glad little Johnny's talking to me again. Right. Yeah. And we want to beat little Johnny up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my husband is is happy that this child um, continues to have a relationship with him at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, through years of therapy and <laughs> work and research and set family life maybe in a better way, he realizes that the relationship, even with him, can't be normal. Right. Because actually all three of the kids mostly pretend nothing happened. It's easier that way. Mm-hmm. That's what my therapist said. She just said they're, they're not ready to face it yet. They will right. have to one day. They're not ready to. So, you know, my husband is, is on his guard with that one child. Well, I'm assuming that your husband doesn't blame you. No, he does not. And that's good because we've seen it the other way. Yeah, he did in the beginning. He did in the beginning. And yeah, because he thought you were abusing his kid. That's what the kid was saying. Yeah, he did in the beginning. And um, we went to therapy together before we got back together. I went to therapy. I've been in therapy for five years now. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Never, Always will, by the way. <laughs> Being therapy uh, has been in therapy for some time now. Lots of reading and research and step family education has taught us both kind of what happened and almost like it it was almost expected. It was almost predictable what mm-hmm. happened. Yes. Although we did not know that <laughs> at the time, but anybody who's educated on blended families at all would almost be able to predict what happened. Right. And so he realizes that it's not my fault. Um, I think he blames himself more than he blames me, actually. Well, I can only imagine that if a child came to me and I was as the parent and they told me that the step parent was abusing them, then you find out that wasn't really the case, you would feel bad. Yeah. Because you believed your child that this person was abusing them. Mm-hmm. And if you wouldn't have, then you would have been a bad parent. <laughs> it's like, how do you win with that? Right. Yeah. It was, um, like I said, we were separated for eight months. It was a challenge to put it all back together and, and make it make sense in any shape or form. Right. And some of that was, you know, the next eight months of watching this particular child not deal with life very well at all, yeah. realizing that the, the mental state was not normal. Right. You know, as it should be. So therefore every perspective is going to be off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helped. And yeah. uh, the struggles with that particular child with me absent continued. Yes. So it was enlightening for my husband to be like, okay, you're not here. You've, you're removed from the situation Mm -hmm. and it has not improved the situation. Right. Therefore it can't be you. 
Right. Exactly. (laughs) Kind of how that worked. Yeah. It's like when I started nachoing and the kids had nothing they could complain about with me. Right. Because I didn't do anything with them. Didn't do anything. Yeah. And we really feel like, uh, we don't feel like me moving out was a mistake. It was uh, hasty. It was ill-informed maybe, but we actually really feel like God was at work getting me out of the situation so that my husband could see what was actually happening and I didn't have to live it because I was already on the verge of a nervous breakdown anyway. Right. Stress in the home. And he wouldn't have seen it if he would have stayed. No. And he says all the time, he doesn't think I could have watched it. I, I probably could not have lived through it. Yeah. That would have just been the end of that for me. And so in the Facebook group, when people ask, you know, how do you get started nachoing? I can't really give advice in that situation because my nacho supreme was overnight because yeah. I was gone. Right. It was overnight and instantaneous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't have any contact with two out of the three kids whole eight months. Wow. Yes. They weren't calling me. They weren't missing me. I would try to send them little gifts. I got no response. I mean, it was done. Right. And so, again, I'm being learning about nacho in the same time. And so I started nachoing abruptly and immediately. And one of the reasons why I felt like that was the right thing to do is because I found out that during those eight months, no one died. When I was not there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They survived. They survived. They had food to eat. They had clothes to wear. They went to school, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't burn down the house. Yeah. They had no rules for the most part when I was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my husband was very, very scared to have rules at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, definitely. And no one died. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, he's doing it. Right. Not the way I would do it. Right. But he's doing it. But he's doing it. Yep. So did you wait till the other, the kid that accused you of abuse, did you, when you moved back in, were they already moved out? Yes. Okay. Because I don't see how you would have been able to move back in with that. I wouldn't have. That was a huge challenge for us. I mean, we talked about staying married and living separately during that period of time. We weren't sure how we were going to do that. And then the the child decided to leave and did. Well, that's probably because they got you out of the house, but then dad started seeing the stuff for himself. Yeah. And they were like, oh, crap. Dad realizes I'm part of the problem. Yeah, that child left, and there was no indication that that child was ever coming back. And so then I sat down forcibly (laughs) with the two other kids and just had a very simple conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Because by that point, I was completely on board with Nacho. And so how we decided things were going to be when I moved back in was going to be completely different than it used to be. And so my only rule was for the most part that I needed from the kids was, are you afraid of me? 
like I was told you were. Right. And they both told me, no, they were not. No. On multiple occasions to my mm-hmm. face. Yep. And so I said to my husband, they don't have to like me. They don't have to love me. They can avoid me if they want. The only thing I ask is that they're not afraid of me. Right. That's all. And I the think. other kid wasn't afraid of you either. He just didn't like you disciplining him. Exactly. Yeah. So once they told me to my face that they were not afraid of me, and I was like, like, if you are, you need to be honest with me. I'm okay with hearing this. Right. And they were like, no, like they acted like I was being ridiculous for asking such a question. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, that's all I needed to know. Yep. Do they still have a relationship with the other sibling? Yes. Okay. It was disrupted for a while, but with digital ways of connecting, I actually have no idea how long it was disrupted. Mm-hmm. Wasn't my business. Right. <laughs> I stayed out of it. They do. I'm a little bit puzzled how they yeah, are. Me too. <laughs> but my therapist, because this child was horrible to them too. Mm-hmm. And my therapist says that they're just not ready to deal with it. Right. And they feel like they're supposed to have a relationship. So they do. And so they just don't talk about it probably. Right. They just pretend it never happened. Yeah. It's probably. And I'm not willing to do that. Right. And you shouldn't be. And they're doing it out of a self-preservation mode right now. Yes. Yeah. I'm about when that's actually going to be a topic. What's going to happen there. But they're adults now. So. They're going to have to navigate that that themselves. Yeah. David's favorite phrase now is, they'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. They do, even if it's the hard way. Yeah. Well, we all did. We we all figured it out in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a number of years now. You know, we're, we're years past this at this point. And my husband are, we're in the empty nesters years. And, you know, it's just the two of us and we have a great marriage, a good life. Mm-hmm. And somehow we survived. We, was, we were actually just talking about this this morning. <laughs> like we survived and got to the other side. Yes. It can be done. Yes. And it could have easily went the other way. It, it almost did. <laughs> yeah. You fought for your marriage. We did. Both of you. We did. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being a guest on our podcast and sharing your story. And... I'm glad that your husband and you both decided your marriage was worth fighting for. Thank you for having me. I I hope my story helps people. It's a little bit different than other people's, I feel like. It is different. But I'm also glad that y'all didn't decide to do the living apart, still married thing. Yeah. Because we see that a lot, and it doesn't fix anything. Right. People move back in when the kids move out, and then all of a sudden there's still these issues that arise, and they don't know how to deal with them. Yeah, we um, a lot of marriage issues got exposed in the middle of all this that mm-hmm. we had to fix. Yeah, yeah, it uncovers a lot, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But I know you feel like I do, like you've grown tremendously through this whole process. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a new person. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Learning about human behavior and how to manage your own behavior and your own emotions and understand what they mean and what they don't mean. Right. Um, has been and figuring out why you feel a certain way and why perception. One kid can think, yes, I was abused. Yeah. And you're thinking, no, you weren't. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's why I say I'll be in therapy for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Figure this stuff out. I think therapy is a good thing because friends are good to talk to, but friends are going to be biased. Yeah. And very few friends are going to say, now, stepmom T, you're being ridiculous. A few will, but you really need a therapist that's not emotionally tied to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thanks again, and we'll have to have you back one day. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Today is the Friday before Christmas. And all through the house. (laughs) All the creatures are stirring because there's a mouse. (laughs) Oh, man. Keep going with it, David. Come on. Uh, I don't know anymore. The stockings were hung. Oh, yeah. By the chimney with care. Some something something something. Nick well, was going to be no, there. See so you. All, you messed it up. You were supposed to go with something different. You were oh, supposed okay. to say the stockings were hung on the wall because there was no chimney there. Oh, okay. But there's still hopes that somebody will put something in their stocking and not just hair. I'm glad you're not a rapper. I am a rapper. Rhymes, I just wrapped a bunch lame. of presents. Oh, you mean that kind <laughs> yeah. of rapper? <laughs> oh, I got to tell you all this. <laughs> so, David. I'm glad this is at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David is the president of the local Rotary this year. And we had the real Rotary celebration. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about saying the real Rotary celebration, listen to last week's podcast. At some point during the night, I decided to tell everybody that David is a rapper. <laughs> and I said, and I'm not talking about presents. <laughs> and they're like, what? And David runs off. Of course and, I run off. And I said, no, no, come back. I said, people are paying me to tell them stuff about you. <laughs> so he comes back, and there's probably a group of six, seven people sitting around us. And I pull up, what's the name of it, David? Five Minutes of Funk by Houdini. <laughs> so I pull that up on my phone And of course the speaker's not very loud But Dave is just getting it And these people are just in awe Complete awe And some of the people were like I don't even know the words to that song or And they're like I'm just so impressed And I was like Oh that's nothing He's got some other songs he can do <laughs> So then I told him about The Furthermore song Ray Stevens. Yeah, my version is a little bit faster than his. Yeah. David, do it for our listeners. Come on, just for a Christmas surprise. No, I can't. Just can't one one verse or one whatever they're called. I can't I can't do it. Ish can. <laughs> Come on. I'll do it for the five people who pick up the lifetime membership. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll keep trying, y'all. Because you should still li- you should still listen to the song though, because it might speak to you. Because in a blended family, <laughs> it probably fits at least one of you. But David, come on, <laughs> please. Uh, that's okay. I'm good. Oh, it'll be the Christmas present to our listeners. I don't give Christmas presents, David. Come on. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Sad, Lori. Yep. All right. I tried, folks. I tried. Yeah, you tried. Well, we got one more time before the year 
ends. Uh, not that I'll do it then either, but just uh, put something in everybody's head. Be thinking about what you're going to do for 2024. And I am not talking about resolutions. I'm talking about life-changing actions. What are you going to do? Mine is I am getting rid of expectations. Period. <laughs> I will no longer go to McDonald's and expect them to get my order right. <laughs> I will no longer expect people to have common sense. Oh, yeah, I lost that one a long time ago. I will no longer expect people to be courteous. I will no longer hold anyone to any expectations. <laughs> but, Lori, shouldn't you have expectations of people? You can, but guess what? You're just going to be pissed off and resentful. <laughs> Ask me how I know. How you know? Because I am pissed off and resentful. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I know. (laughs) Boy, no, but um, but we do have a lot to uh to cover on expectations, and there is a lot around it to to help you and to answer the question of well. Should I have expectations? Should I not have expectations? What does it mean? Why can't I have expectations? When should I have ex- expectations? Because, you know, I think at some point it's fair and reasonable to have expectations. But when, where's, yeah, but where's that line? Apparently my line is a lot different than other people's. And the wise words of many people, when you have expectations, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. That's true. Here's another one. Don't blame people for disappointing you. Blame yourself for expecting too much from them. Stop Googling quotes. (laughs) I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. Yep. Should I keep going, folks? There's a lot around it. Oh, here we go. Low expectations are the key to happiness in life. Look at air. But I think that should say no expectations. <laughs> What's the difference between a low expectation and no expectation? I mean, how um, low can you go? No would be lower than low. Right. So, okay, I place an order at McDonald's. My low expectation is they will get one thing right on the order. My no expectation is they ain't going to get nothing right. Uh, Yeah. Oh, Shakespeare said, expectation is the root of all heartache. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm telling you, there's, there's a lot to unpack about expectations. And it's amazing that as far back as Shakespeare and further, people had this, had figured this out, but yet, all the way up in 2023, almost 2024, there's still people arguing about, what do you mean? Why shouldn't I have expectations? I'm telling you, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to help you figure that out. It's going to be inside the Nacho Kids Academy because we're going to have our expectations challenge and we'll have a course on it. All right, let's wrap this thing up. One thing I'm going to quit expecting is for my dogs to be quiet while we're recording. (laughs) All right. You should be happy next year. I should be.
I'm happy this year. I just get annoyed. And then when it's constant disappointment and constant disappointment and constant disappointment, you finally just get so aggravated with everything. But today I release that demon. <laughs> All righty. You ready? Because <laughs> you are going on. All right. All right, folks, that is our show. Thank goodness. <laughs> we'll see you again next week when we will end the year and possibly end the podcast. Who knows? David, stop <laughs> lying to these people. Don't have no expectations that we're going to ever put another podcast <laughs> out. <laughs> All right. Remember, y'all, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember... Life is good when you nacho.